Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Well, again, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I want to uh, greet those who are joining us online also as uh, together we look at Luke chapter 4 this morning. Would you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4 and let's pray. Lord, we pray simply, open your word to us and open us to your word that we might know your light and your life. In Jesus' name, and we say together, Luke 4, at verse 38, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever and had left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. This is God's word. We're grateful. Amen. Last light, first light. Well, when we come to church, there's a phrase that we say more than, than any other. There's something that we say to each other when we come to church that's probably the, the thing that we say to one another more than any other phrase. Do you want to guess what it is? Yeah, get out of my seat. No, no not that. Yeah. Or, uh, or what are you doing here? That's, uh, yeah, I hear that one a lot. No, you got it. What, what, I heard you say it. What is it? Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. I mean, you, you're hardly resisting responding to that, aren't you? Good morning. Yeah, you want, that's just what we say to each other. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. And what I've noticed, and this isn't just here, but I've noticed in churches we have a tendency to, to say that, that phrase to each other even when it isn't morning. Have you noticed that? We come in at, uh, at nighttime, we come in for Growing Together Wednesday dinner or for choir or youth group or classes or something like that, and I, we see each other out here in the hall, it might be 6, 7 p.m., and we say to one another, good morning, yeah, good morning, Pat, and then we catch, we catch ourselves, oh, why did I do that? And I've, I have that experience so often, I've actually come up with a little bit of a response. People will come up to me and say, good morning, Pastor. And then they'll catch themselves. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. And I always say, uh, that's okay. That's okay. It's always morning in church. <laughs> that's not bad, right? That's pretty good. <laughs> I say, it's always morning in the house of the Lord. 
But we, we're just so used to seeing each other on Sunday morning and saying good morning to each other that we're in that habit. Now, the problem is was when one of you come up to me in the grocery store at 9 p.m. <laughs> and say, good morning, Pastor, and then I don't have anything for you. I can't help you. <laughs> but we say good morning because it's always morning in church, but it isn't always morning. Sometimes it's nighttime. <laughs> and it's actually very important to know the difference between those Two. Remember last week Isaiah said, What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. How sad and how sorrowful for those who can't figure out, you know, the difference between uh, day and night and get some sleep. It's hard for us to imagine living according to daylight, but that's how most people have lived their lives. If the sun's up, they have light. If the sun's down, there's no light. But we live according to artificial light, so we run our own schedule as we please. But still our bodies know something about day and night. They say that if you wake up in the middle of the night and you look at your phone and that light shines on your face, there's something deep in your brain that gets a signal that the sun must be up and it must be day. And so you'll have a harder time falling back to sleep. Do you know this? But you still can't resist, can you? Reaching for the phone, turning on the TV. God gives us night and he gives us day and it's critical to health. Some old wisdom says if, if you don't give your body something of what it needs, it will begin to demand everything at once. And your body needs sleep. Uh, Ken, amen, yep. Ken Shigematsu is a Japanese businessman who became a Canadian pastor in Vancouver. That's true. And he started out his life in the, the sleepless uh, life of a Tokyo young executive. But God gave him a new rhythm. And in his book, God and My Everything, he writes, I assumed that if I could get by on less sleep, I would be more productive. Thankfully, I came to discover both in Scripture and, and from the hard lessons of experience, that getting sufficient sleep is not a liability, but a gift from God. Amen. If we get enough sleep, we will find ourselves more present to God and more available to others. If we resist the gift of sleep, we put ourselves at risk. Amen? We're there. I mean, we all want to say amen to that and go right back to bed. But Jesus uses day and night in another way also, not just in, in the rhythm of health, but Jesus uses day and night as a metaphor, doesn't he? He asks us, are you in the day or are you in the night? Are you in the light or are you in the dark? Are you living in the day or are you running in the night, pursuing deeds of darkness where you think they won't be seen? See, we have, as we're in Christ... We're day people. We're light people. We don't live in the shadows and the shame. We don't live in constant fear of getting caught. We don't want to live our lives like, like cockroaches ready to scurry into our holes as soon as the light comes on. That's not how we live because we are in Christ. And so there now is no shame. There is no condemnation. Romans 8 says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if we are in Christ, we are a day people meant to walk in the light. 
First Thessalonians says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. And, and Jesus himself said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am, say it together, the light of the world. Yeah. We're, we're day people. We're light people. We're not night people. We belong to the light of day. Our passage today has these two moments that I want us to focus on. Jesus stands ready. His power is on display. He moves. He stands ready at sunset, at last light. And Jesus stands ready. His power is on display at sunrise, at first light. Last light and first light. There stands Jesus. This is the point of the message this morning. I want you to think about this. Jesus holds your life at the edges. He's got you at the fringes. His grip is on the boundaries. And as you rest in Him, His power will bring you light. Jesus is beginning and end. He is alpha and omega. And as Jesus holds your life, His power is your light. Look at this now. Verse 38, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. This is the same day that Jesus was preaching in the synagogue, the very same day we were talking about last week, where Jesus got up and read from the scroll of Isaiah. It's the end of that same day, the close of the Sabbath. And Simon, that's Simon Peter, Simon Peter's mother-in-law was sick. She was found to have this fever. So they asked Jesus for help. Jesus moves in. Watch what happens. You see what happens? Jesus, he draws near to her. He draws near to the illness. He, he bends over her. And what does he do? He rebukes the fever. He speaks to it with authority. Jesus talks to the illness. At some point, you have to stop talking to Jesus about your problems and start talking to your problems about Jesus. You got it? You see, let Jesus speak. Let Jesus bring his authority to bear. He rebukes the fever, and she is healed. And in this remarkable character of this woman that we don't know anything else about, here she comes. She gets up and, and she starts uh, making dinner. I mean, she just jumps into humble service. Let, oh, I'm here. Let me help you. Isn't that amazing? I mean, we would have forgiven her a little victory lap, wouldn't we? <laughs> you know, a little bit of uh, take the night off, make your own dinner, you know. That would have been fine. But it's the character of her humble service that if I'm there, I want to serve you. Can I help you? Can I serve you? She starts making dinner. And it's a good thing that she did too. I don't think Domino's delivered. <laughs> there, was, there was no Uber Eats headed their way. So there you are. Now, the sun starts to set. That's the end of the Sabbath day. 
and the beginning of another day. See, in the Hebrew world, in the ancient world, the day ended, we don't think about it this way. We think about this totally differently. But in the Hebrew world, the day ended with the sunset, and a new day began. That was when the date changed, when, when the sun set, that day is over and a new day begins. And this is a huge encouragement for the people of God. Why? Because the very first thing that you get to do in a new day is sleep. <laughs> yeah. Let's get sleep in there as the number one priority. And so people, you get to sleep, but listen to this. The very first thing that happens in a new day is, is God is at work. While you're asleep. The very first thing that happens in the day is that you are helplessly resting in the care of God. Do you see that? And then when you wake up, you're actually coming awake, you're coming alive, you're, you're, you're coming to consciousness halfway through a day that God has already been at work in preparing and setting the stage. And you wake up and say, Lord, where would you have me in this day that you've made? Do you see that? Various psalms really pull this idea along and you'll read them differently the next time if you've got that idea in your head. If you read Genesis, you'll read that differently. Genesis 1, when you have that idea in your head, the day starts with the sun set and God is at work and then we enter in. That's not where I want to dwell here though. I want you to see what Jesus does. What Jesus does at this moment of the end of the day, at the remains of the day, at this moment of edging up to the limit where light is about to give over to darkness. Look at verse 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. This isn't just one or two people, you see. This is a, a bunch coming his way. And laying his hands on each one, he did what? He healed them. You see, the sick couldn't move to Jesus because it was the Sabbath day. And they couldn't be carried, they couldn't be brought into the presence of Jesus because it's the Sabbath day, no work is done. And so it's when the sun sets that suddenly they are free to come to Jesus and they come. And Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't turn away from them, he doesn't say, I'm sorry, it's been a full day. No, they're coming. They're coming to him at the end of the day when the shadows are long and cool and the night is blowing in and the waning moments at the end of day. Jesus doesn't turn them away. No, Jesus, he extends the day. He pushes back the night. He makes room for each one to come. And what does he do? He lays hands on them and he heals them one by one by one. He extends the day to bring life and light to them. Do you see that? And it's so beautiful. It's so tender, the tenderness of, of Jesus. You know he's always got time for you? You know he's always got strength for you? Do You know you can come to him at the end of the day, at the last hour, and he's there. And it's so tender and sweet this moment in the sunset. Can you see it? But it's also so powerful 
what Jesus is doing, that there's great clarity in this moment. The light of Jesus is breaking through. The power of Jesus is, is potently present. And so, so much so that even the demons can see that the Lord is here. At the edges, at the limits, at these, these liminal places of life, the light of Christ shines through. Last light. Next verse, and it's morning, verse 42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. At sunset, he did this and this and this. All this happened at sunset. Flip the page. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. You see, at the limits, at the edges, here's Jesus. Last light, first light. Mark tells us a little bit more about this moment. In Mark 1.35, it says that Jesus went out to a solitary place to pray. And so Jesus says he's going out to pray. What happens at the edges matters. What you find at the fringe, it, it matters. What happens at the, the, these, these limits, that matters. First light. First light, Jesus is going out to pray. He's going out to make sure that as I enter my day, I'm centered on God. I'm centered on, well, in his case, I'm cent- I'm, I, he's, he's the only one who can say I'm self-centered, right? He's centered on Christ, and he's right, he's right to be self-centered. The rest of us, we need to be centered on him. But Jesus, he goes out in the solitary place at first light. What do you encounter at first light. What's the first thing that enters into your mind? Lisa Turkhurst is a well-known Christian author and uh, boy, she's been through a lot if you know anything about her and her faithfulness and struggle. I heard her say once in an interview that she feels like a sponge, she said. I feel like a sponge. And she said, whatever I dip myself in first, (laughs) it soaks in the deepest. I find. So she said, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm soaking myself in the Word of God, very first thing at the beginning of the day. So she created an app called First Five. It's a phone app that you could have. You see, we don't all use clock radio. Some of us got these phones, these, and so there's an alarm on there. We could, yeah. And uh, so there's these smartphones. It's got an app called First Five. And it helps mostly women. It's kind of a, a feminine kind of app, I have to confess. But it, it, it helps mostly women to, to take that first five and make sure that they're immersing themselves in the Word of God. First five minutes of every day. What I soak in first soaks in the deepest. I want to be in the Word of God. C.S. Lewis began every day on his knees. He wrote, it's at the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush at you like wild animals. Think about that for a minute. You ever feel that way? And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back, in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other, larger, stronger life come flowing in. He started and ended C.S. Lewis every day on his knees in prayer. In fact, I can't think of anyone that I that I deeply admire, who wasn't known to have a rich prayer life early in the morning at the limits of the day. 
And friends, that's, that's convicting for me as I stand here before you. What are you meeting in the first five? What are you meeting at first light? And just like the clarity and brightness of Jesus at last light, remember how you could see who he was, everybody could see who he was, first light brings clarity too. Jesus is, is centered. He's centered. As I said, he's centered on God. He's centered on himself, on on Christ. He's centered. And so that allows him to move into his day with purpose. He knows what his day is going to be about. It gives him clarity and confidence in his mission. Watch this now. We get this in verse 43. The people, they keep after him, and they want him to stay. We've got an agenda for you, right? I've got an idea about how your day should go. Listen, if you don't define what, how your day is going to go, everyone else will define it for you. You know that. And so Jesus, he, 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 these people come to him and they say, we've got a plan for you, Jesus. Here's your plan. You've got to stay here with us and do what we say. In verse 43, but he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that is why I was sent. You see, he's got a mission. He's got a purpose. He's got clarity with his day. I know what I have to do, and I have to go on and do it. Meeting Jesus at first light, it can give you clarity and purpose as you move into your day. Leadership experts will tell you to define the win of each day. What's that one thing you need to do or not do on that day to come to the, your pillow at the end of the day and say, well, that was, that was a win. I think that's good. But I like to pray the day. When I can, I like to have my calendar out in front in my prayer and, and just say to the Lord, each engagement, each planned engagement, I want you to use that for your glory. And then the, the empty spaces, the empty time, which there isn't much of, but that little bit, I say, Lord, you, you use that for your purpose, for your glory too. What are you meeting at first light? First light, Jesus is there. Last light, Jesus is there. Jesus meets us at the limits. He's there at the edges. What's at the fringe matters. You're going to meet Jesus at the extremes. And if you're like me, I don't want to meet Jesus at the edges. I'd rather just meet him in the ordinary, you know. I'm afraid of the edges. I'm fearful of the limits of life. I don't like the extremes, but we feel his power most when our power is at its least. It's when we're on our last card that Jesus shows his hand. It's when we're at the end of our rope that his power comes in to carry us. At the limits, at the limits, there's only one powerful enough to hold your life, and that's Jesus. Last light, first light, first light, last light, Jesus. And every day is a rehearsal in some ways for life itself. Moving from edge to edge. Moving from limit to limit. You see, like we're born and we live and we die. We wake up in the morning and we go through our day and we go back to sleep from edge to edge. And Jesus meets us at first light. And Jesus meets us at last light. And each rhythmic iteration is a training, you see, a forming a growing in trust that Jesus is found where our strength and capability is at an end. First light, Jesus. Last light, Jesus. It's at the fringes where Jesus 
shines most. I know a family who um, came to know the Lord when, when their mother was dying. And uh, when I say a family, I mean, I mean this was her son, a man, and his wife, and his sister, and her husband, you with me? And all their kids. And they all came to Christ. And they came to me and, and wanted to tell me this story about how their mother was a devout follower of Jesus and was dying in the hospital and came to breathe her last on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2010. And I wasn't there. I, I didn't know them yet, you see. But they came to me and they started trying to explain to me what they had experienced. And they tried to tell me that, listen, we were there and the presence of, of Jesus was so strong in that room. They tried to explain to me what they experienced, but I would ask them questions and they couldn't really tell me it's not that she said this or she did that or anything sort of, it's just their eyes would just get big and they would say, Jesus himself was there. And he was so so present, so powerfully present as they watched their mother pass away that this group who were all there together and didn't know the Lord, didn't know Christ, didn't have faith, they felt his presence so powerfully that they had to come to terms with it. I mean, really, they came to me saying, we've had this experience and we don't, we don't really know what to do with it. <laughs> But all I can tell you was that Jesus was in the room and we need to know what that means. And every one of them came to Christ. I think about what that must have been like, the light of Christ breaking in at that moment uh, that should have ostensibly been one of the saddest, most grievous moments of, of all these people's lives. And Jesus broke in. The light of Christ was there. And I think about that woman whom I never met. And I think about how she must have prayed day after day, year after year, for her children and her grandchildren who were far from the Lord. And then I imagine what joy she must now have not only in the consummation of, of heaven and the presence of Christ, but what joy she must now have. And in her moment of greatest weakness, I mean, you, this is, talk about the greatest weakness that Christ broke through and her son and her daughter-in-law and her daughter and her son-in-law and all their kids. And all their kids. No and love and serve Jesus Christ. Friends, when you're at your limits, when you're at your most powerless, when your capability has come to a close, you belong to Jesus, you see? He's got you. He holds your life. He holds you at the limits. First light, last light. First breath, last breath. First hour, last hour. He's got you. He's got your life. No other has such power. No other 
has such power. No other has such power. He holds your life. He does not slumber. He does not sleep. He keeps your life. He keeps your coming and your going from this day forward and forevermore. You see, I just think maybe to close, I just think maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like this. You know how incandescent bulbs uh, work, don't you? These two poles inside that bulb and, and there's a little filament running in between and the two poles that pass the current through from one to the other and everything in between just lights up, right? Maybe it's like this. Maybe it's like this. Jesus has got you. He's got you at the limits. First light, last light. He's holding you at the poles and the fringes and the limits of your life. He's got a hold on you. And and he's got you. And maybe the more we know that, maybe the more we pay attention to that and trust that and we, we hold our confidence and our faith and our trust in his grip and we're aware and we're attentive that he's got us, maybe, maybe, maybe as we, as we know those poles are there, his divine light runs through our lives just a little bit more, his divine current runs through our lives just a little bit more. And we share in his light. First light, last light, everything in between. You can trust him. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of light. Lord, We thank you that every one of us can testify that we've seen you at the limits. We wouldn't ask, Lord, to walk to the limits, but when we go, when we find ourselves there, you are there. You're already before us. You've got our lives, first light, last light, and as you hold on to us, Jesus, help us to rest in your grip and to become children of light for your glory. In Jesus' name, and together we say, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.